So some time back, I was meeting with a friend of mine who was leading a connect group, and she started asking me questions. She said, do you know that there are people in her connect group that are buying for 10 rand a checkers packet filled with air and tied closed. And they are paying this 10 rand especially so that they can take home some lightning that has been captured in this packet and release it in their homes so that powerful things will happen. I know you're all like, what, what, what? You can buy these packets for yourself in Joburg downtown. Just saying, if you ever want one, they are right there. Very cheap price of 10 rand. That's all. It's the truth. To, well, last week, we received in our post box a little cardboard folder. And on the outside, it said this. It said, your pathway to happiness. The common sense guide to better living. It was put out by the Church of Scientology. And if you've ever studied anything about Scientology, you will understand that when they mean common sense, they mean the Dark Lord Xenu, X-E-N-U, millions of years ago rode in his spaceship and he placed an atomic bomb in this area where there were lots of volcanoes. These exploded and, and thousands and maybe even millions of people were damaged in their souls because of this. And now we have problems because these people's souls from millions of years ago attach themselves to our, our souls and this dark lord Zeno who is a space traveler in his, his space cars, um, spacecraft dropping atomic bombs in various places has affected us to this day. And there have been 75 trillion years of damaged souls that now we have to deal with. Even the most ardent atheist only has the world aged in billions of years. So this is their common sense guide to better living. How, much, how many of you feel like that's common sense right there? There are some crazy things out there in the world. How, there's some crazy things happening up here, let me say. Some things are making noises that yeah, they shouldn't be. A lightning packet in the <laughs> when Colossians was written, Colossians was written because crazy things were happening in those times. That there were philosophies and ways of teaching. You could probably buy a, a cow skin container filled with lightning in those days. They were, they were, you know, what? it's like the, the human nature, human nature hasn't changed from generation to generation. People are still make, trying to make money out of the gullibility of other human beings. And they're still trying to invent fast and easy ways to happiness that circumvent having to deal with their own natures. And Paul was writing this book, Colossians, to people to let them know 
please don't listen to these traveling men who are coming to sell you spells and interesting things. Don't listen to these new philosophers that are coming around with the new wave, with the path to happiness. Don't listen to these crazy things going around. Because there is only one way, and his name is Jesus, and he's glorious, and he's absolutely one, and he's supreme, and he's all-conquering, and he loves you. We are going to be reading from Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1. It says this, Since then... Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The best path to happiness, common sense included. But when we look at that first verse, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And I want to start with the concept of Jesus inviting you to accept a new normal. At school... You probably did this experiment in which you had a little tree or bush or plant that in a pot and you put it in a cupboard and you only opened a slit on one side where the light could come in from a very limited angle. And you left that little plant in that cupboard for a certain amount of time and when you opened it, what had happened to the plant? It kind of grown skew. It had orientated itself to kind of get a little bit of um, sustenance from that light coming in from that limited space. And I feel like this is an example of the human soul. Is that we grow up, grow up in environments where the glory of God is not evident in every place. Where the goodness of God and the life that he meant us to live on earth is not evidence all over the place. And so as we grow up and as we try to navigate the difficulties that we face, sometimes we distort ourselves to try and get as much goodness as we can out of that little bit of love we got there or that, that little bit of stuff that was happening over there. And what ends up happening is we kind of distort the way we grow to facilitate the lack of God godliness around us. And then one day, we get transported out of that little dark cupboard into the glorious light of Jesus Christ. And now his glory, his love, and his goodness is everywhere. And we have access to everything pertaining to life and godliness. And yet, our souls are kind of grown in a crooked way. And so even though his light is all around, we can still only get it from that little place. And part of us coming and growing in Jesus Christ is to get the revelation that there's a new normal. There's a new way of doing things. Life isn't like it used to be. There's a new environment. And we can adjust ourselves to fill out and receive love in so many more ways than we ever had before. Yeah. 
Colossians 2 says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the, on, and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. In other words, let go of that old way of thinking, that old way of doing that, old expectation. Look around you. God is here. Look, look at what he's done and has accomplished. Live your new normal. Live your new normal. So I, I know none of you have ever frequented bars or clubs. That was the old normal. The new normal is completely different. But say when you were a teenager and you asked your mom to go somewhere and she said this to you, just watch your drink. Don't let anybody slip anything into your drink. You, you remember that warning. I hope you heeded it. <laughs> and the, the truth is that in the day and age we live, people slip stuff into each other's drinks. And then you think you're drinking a nice, ordinary, everyday Coke, and gosh, then your head's woozy and stuff's happening. We've all seen those movies of the kings of old that took that golden goblet of wine and took a big sip and then started frothing at the mouth and lay down dead, and their, uh, and their rivals took over the kingdom. You've all seen that movie. You know the movie. You know, when you are drinking water, it is vital that you know what's in there. One of the things Paul had to deal with, with the church, was that they were filling their cups with the revelation of Jesus Christ and this little extra. And they were taking giant sips of what should have been edifying them, and then they were falling over and frothing at the mouth and just having bad lives. Things weren't going the way they expected. They weren't having the success and the victory in their Christian faith that they were expecting. Why? Because they had diluted the <coughs> message with all these other messages that were running around. Yeah. And instead of embracing the normal Christianity, which is pure, undevoted um, I mean, undiluted devotion to Jesus Christ. They were adding all these other kind of philosophies. You know, I'm a Christian, and I believe in praying to the saints. I'm a Christian, and I believe that I, just in case, I'm going to sacrifice to the ancestors. And just in case, I'm going to... Go with that business partner to that meeting at the Freemason Lodge. And just in case I'm going to, I don't know, put out cookies for Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, from the sublime to the ridiculous, you can put out cookies for Santa Claus. It's not going to dilute your faith. But we add all these other things into our faith. There's some more of these mixes that are a little closer to home. Let's call them murderous mixes. 
How do you like that, darling? Oh. <laughs> How about a little bit glorious, wonderful Christianity? I tithe, I do my thing, but I just mix a little bit of materialism there. I want my car, and I want it the way I want it. I want my holiday, and I want it the way I want it. I sacrifice time with my family to make that extra buck. I give up time with spiritual people to run after more money. And this is my question to you. How much is enough? No, really, how much is enough? I mean, when are you rich enough? Do you understand how it goes? Is that as soon as you make a lot of money, you need to then employ other people to manage your money and invest in other things to work out how to keep that money from going away and to keep it in the place it's supposed to be. And then you've got to earn money or more money to take care of that other money. And then you've got to earn more money to take care of that money. It's just a never-ending treadmill. And you're all saying, gosh, I just wish I could earn that much money so I could know what that treadmill feels like. <laughs> but I am here to tell you, the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. That if you think that more possessions, more power, more prestige will satisfy your soul, you'll get there and find it empty. Yeah. The Bible says is that it's, it's better in a home with peace, with little and with peace than it is in a, with plenty and strife. God wants us to be blessed, but he's not after the blessings having us. And so I want, I want every one of you to be blessed, but beware the trap of mixing, of saying that Jesus is enough if I have a Porsche, Jesus is enough. <laughs> if I have that, if I could just have that new job, then Jesus would be enough. Jesus is enough now. He's enough tomorrow. He's enough in 10 years' time. He was enough in your past. He is enough now. How about just a little bit of self-righteousness? <laughs> Mixed in there with your nice cool Coke. Self-righteousness says, I've been good, so God owes me. Do you remember the story in Luke 15? How that son sold, took his inheritance, went out and spent it on loose living and just doing what he wanted, comes back to the father and the father welcomes him back with great joy. And then the older son, who's been living well and living righteously at home the whole time, turns to the father angry, saying, you've never even killed a calf for me. 
what's he doing? He's been living righteously all this time. And now he's saying, because I did everything well, God, you owe me. And the father turns to him with tears in his eyes. And he says, everything I have is yours. And I am with you. You are always with me. God doesn't owe you because he's already given you everything. Whether you do right today or not, it's still available. His kingdom is still available there. We don't do right to get stuff. We do right because we're living with everything necessary for life and godliness. We've been given this great, incredible, and victorious kingdom, not because we deserve it, but because he is good. And living in that place, we can live in a victory with that, using and um, appropriating all of that goodness that he has. We don't work to get. We work because we have. How about some false mediators? No God on my behalf. I mentioned these a little while earlier, but for centuries, the Catholic Church has invited people to pray to Jesus through the saints. What is that? That's Jesus is good enough if these these extra things are added. Throughout the world, there is the thought that there must be, God is so good and so far away, there must be something that can help me to get to God. We've used ancestors, we've used saints, we've used pastors, we've used religious icons. Oh my word, Jesus is so far away. If I could just get to him, please would you help me? And they come and they're asking the pastors to, to intercede on their behalf because their prayers somehow will be more powerful than mine. And what we are saying is that Christ's death on my behalf was not good enough. It didn't complete it all. It didn't complete it all. Jesus Christ is enough. His death and resurrection opened a way that you can speak to him yourself anytime, anywhere. There is no need for any kind of mediator between you and him. How about permissive grace? Mike shared last week about that (coughs) first miracle that Jesus performed, where he turned the water into wine. You remember that miracle? 
I'm sitting with my connect group and we're talking, talking, and they were laughing out loud and they're saying, this is the greatest, Mike's message was fantastic, you should listen to it. So they were saying, they were, la they were laughing about something else, they're saying, you know what, this is the biggest excuse amongst Christians. Go out, drink, uh, drink more than you should with the blatant excuse, ha ha ha, Jesus turned that, that water into wine so we can drink whatever we want to. That's not what grace is. That's not what grace is. Do you know that you will be the happiest you can ever be if you are living exactly for, with, and doing the things God made you to? He's not holding out for, of you, from you. He's not, he's not got this really exciting life over there and he's saying, but you can't have it. That he created you for the absolute fulfillment, absolute significance, absolute satisfaction. He designs a life for you to live that will be the best you could ever imagine. And then he comes and he gives you something that will enable you to live it. And it's called grace. It's his presence inside of you enabling you to do what you could not do before. It, grace is not I can do what I want. Grace is I can do what God says. Colossians 3, 5 to 18 just talks about how all these things of the world are just, we can just put them off. It basically says we can, we can actually just put them off. And then it says right at the end, Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. If I want to tell you what the new normal is, the thing that God wants to become like second nature to you, he wants you to be able to live in it, breathe in it, just feel like th this is what I was born for. And anything does, that doesn't look like that is to be rejected and turned away from. And that is you in the image of Christ. You wearing Christ. You living from the fullness of the glory of his presence. You carrying his power, his might, his wisdom, his life wherever you go. That is normal Christianity. That is everyday Jesus living. That is what you were born for day in and day out. That's not for the special extra anointed prophet from some other country. That's for you. And that's for you today and tomorrow and every day of your Christian life. And we have these distorted souls that think that all Christianity is just try and be good. And yet the fullness of what you were born again for is to live like Jesus. To be conformed to his image, to carry his glory, to reveal his nature to experience his wisdom, his love, and his creativity. Yeah. To not live with the torment and the pain of our past, but to live free and alive and filled with a sense of our own value and his love for us. If we carry on, it says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
That phrase that says, set your minds on things above, literally means, in the original language, find the realities of heaven. Find the realities of heaven. C.S. Lewis said this, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are too easily pleased. We are too easily satisfied. And God is asking each and every one of us to lift up our eyes to what could be, to what his design originally was, and to say that is your portion and that is your inheritance in the kingdom. So often... (laughs) So often we are striving and going after the good stuff of the kingdom. We are reaching for God's goodness and it seems like day after day we just don't get it. Have you, have you ever experienced this? How many of you felt weary in doing good? It's like I feel like I was kind to my husband yesterday. Do you mean I need to do it again today? I mean, it's like, what is that? It's like I washed the dishes four days in a row. Do you mean that it's has to be done on the fifth also. You know, it's like, oh my word, one more thing. And I feel like so often, just like this man in the picture, we give up one blow away from the breakthrough, one blow away from our heart being transformed, one blow away from the revelation of God's goodness coming to us, one blow away from us walking in the fullness of what we were meant to. And the call from the Spirit of God is this. Keep doing what you know is right. Keep following me. Keep walking in these ways until the realities of heaven are your realities. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for mediocre. Don't settle for tainted. Don't settle for Jesus and. Press in until it's Jesus only. Me and Jesus. Colossians 2 verse 3 says this, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Just the other day, I was supposed to email someone with some information. They had asked for it way back when. I had just been lax in getting it to them and now they were like hounding me and now I was looking like a bad pastor and a bad leader and whatever. I get down to type the email and to put all the information in that they need and suddenly I can't remember the information. And suddenly I realize that some of the information I'm supposed to know or I'm supposed to put in that, that email, I actually had forgotten to get from somewhere else. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm sending WhatsApps to various people, please send me this information, please send me this information. No information's coming. They're all, it's like a Sunday evening or stuff. They're all sitting with their feet up watching rugby or something. I don't know. No one's looking at their WhatsApps. And I'm sitting in front of there and it suddenly dawned on me. 
that Jesus knew everything. <laughs> so while I'm sitting doing this email, I thought, which I should have done right at the beginning, Lord Jesus, could you help me to remember everything I need to go and to know what I don't know? At that moment, just information started reeling itself into my mind. I, I kid you not. I kid you not. And some of it, I actually had to then go onto Facebook to make sure that those were really the right names of those people because those were the first time I was hearing them in my mind. Yeah. I typed them into the email, sent it off, and looked good. But deep down in my heart, I knew I'm not good. Jesus is just great. And this is our new normal is that we live with access to all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We live with access to the one who has what we need. We live with access to him who has what our hearts have always been desiring. When Mike shared about that parable, not that parable, that miracle that Jesus did with the turning the water to the wine at that wedding, he left us with this statement that Jesus' mother said to the servants when they were wondering where to go and get more wine. And Jesus' mother turned to the servants and she said this, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. If Jesus is who he says he is, if he is the creator of heaven and earth, if he is the only one who ever died for you, if he's the one who reaches, uh, who sits in heavenly places and at the same time reaches into your heart with everything you need, then do whatever he tells you. If he's the one who loves you sacrificially, if he's the one who holds all power in his hands, if he's the one who is never anything other than good, then do whatever he tells you. Even if it doesn't feel right, even if it's contrary to the way you remember things, even if it's different from the way you've done things in the past, even if it's different from what everyone around you is telling you, do whatever he tells you. And last of all, when we look at this scripture, it finishes, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In other words, don't let things obscure your view of Christ. Don't let things obscure your view of Christ because you are in Christ. And the more he appears, the more you will appear as who you were meant to be. The more you see him, the more you become like him. The more, the greater the revelation of who he is comes to your mind, the more you will find yourself being like that. Some years back, for our 25th wedding anniversary, believe it or not, we've been married much longer than that. How many years? 30? Uh, 29. Gosh, this is a test. This is a test. If it doesn't get right, yeah. There'll be a new normal at home if you don't get that right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some years back, it was our 25th anniversary, and Andrew treated us to a cruise. It was so great. It was so great. We did nothing but sleep, eat, and lie around the pool and watch the ocean go by. It was so lovely. When we booked the cruise... We looked and they said certain rooms had sea views and certain didn't. So, of course, it's our 25th anniversary. We booked one with a sea view. 
we arrive at our little cabin. You know what ship's cabins are like. If you don't, let me tell you, small. Think very, very small. So we get in there, and you know, you, ha you have to put your baggage on the bed and then walk around like this and then move your baggage there. You know, you, you can't really both be in this in standing at once. It's like one of you has to be sitting on the bed and the other one moving. It's, it's quite an art to getting around a ship's cabin. So we're we in there, and then we go to the window and we look out. And then, you know, like, if you turned your head, like, slightly to the side and you stood on one leg and you moved, if you just, like, positioned it really great, you could see a square centimeter over there of sea. And the rest was filled with a giant lifeboat <laughs> in front of our window. So we, I'm very grateful that the ship had lifeboats. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying get rid of those lifeboats. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> But, but, it brought this um, thought home to me that sometimes in life, we're asking God for a view of his glory. But then, we're sticking all these self-made lifeboats in front of our window. You know, it's like ways to save myself. You know, putting my fears right there and my, my self-protection mechanisms. You know, I'll, I'll never talk to people again or I'll never be vulnerable or I'll never, I'll never try again. And they're just packing these lifeboats against our windows. And then we go to, ah, and I could just really squint and twist ourselves. And yes, I can see a little bit of God's glory right there. You have a lifeboat. You're in it. <laughs> He's called Jesus. You don't have to save yourself. You don't have to run around packing your life with fails, uh, fail proofs and uh, uh, what do you call those things? Nets to catch you when you're swinging on the trapeze. I don't know where that came from. But you don't have to put all these stop gaps, prepare yourself for the worst kind of things. You can live with a heart of freedom. You can live knowing that tomorrow he's going to be as good as he was today, as he was yesterday. You can trust and free yourself to love people unconditionally, to walk with people that you don't understand, to um, accept and believe that there's going to be good tomorrow. And as you do it, the view of his glory just becomes greater and greater. And suddenly you're living in that dream you've always wanted. When our view of Christ is unobstructed by other things, when we see him as he really is, we in turn become more fully who we were created to be. At these times we find ourselves not most fulfilled, whole, significant, and triumphant. So in conclusion, let's live our new normal, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, which is his goodness and his presence ex being expected every day. Find the realities of heaven. Learn what God is really like. Pull down the truths of his goodness into your life. Don't let other things obscure your view of Christ. Give up those things that you've been hanging on to instead of Christ and say Christ alone is enough. Christ alone is enough. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your great goodness and your strength and your life to us, Lord God. I want to thank you that you indeed are leading us into goodness and grace. Father God, we choose 
to let go of things that we've mixed in with our faith in you, Lord God. Those places where it's been Christ and something. Lord God, we want to just commit ourselves to living Christ and Christ alone. Father God, we want to really believe that you are who you say you are, that you have what we need, that you have what we need to succeed. Father God, that we can trust you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.